Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. If you have not been paying attention, we are going through pretty rapid fire here leading up to training camp. I don't know, maybe we'll finish on the 26th, 27th. I'm not sure. We're going to cover every position. We have done quarterback. We did that two days ago. We did running back yesterday. Joined by Corey Kennan for a Baker Mayfield quick discussion on some uh, accuracy numbers that were dug up by Corey on Baker. Wanted to chat with him about that. Uh, Had that conversation. Then on Tuesday... We had a friend of the podcast who I thought did a fantastic job for us. Damian Parson talked about Nick Chubb uh, and, and, and what he thinks of Kareem Hunt, that duo across the league. I, I think you bring someone on from the Browns, they're just going to tell you how great they are. I like bringing on somebody who looks at the rest of the league to give you a league-wide sort of perspective there. I think that that's always good. So we went through running back yesterday. We talked about Demetrius Felton. That running back three battle is going to be really uh, – Really one of the more interesting camp battles. I think Dearness Johnson showed that he can handle kick return duties pretty well last year. Is that enough to keep his roster spot with what Demetrius Felton can do in both phases of the game? I don't know. That's what's going to be one of the more compelling things to watch. And luckily we get some preseason games to sort that out. Today, we shift specifically to wide receiver. We're not talking tight end, just wide receiver. And when you look at the Browns roster, they have a ton of rosterable wide receivers. You have the names you you know, you know the guys at the top, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, then the wide receiver three battle, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit, between Rashard Higgins, Kaderil Hodge, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Now they can, three and four can be interchangeable because some guys play Z, X, whatever. We'll see who ends up leading those snaps. But then there's other guys too. You know, there's, there's obviously Anthony Schwartz, who they just drafted, okay, there's JoJo Natson, who was a rostered player at the beginning of last year, a guy who they were using on those sweeps, those speed sweeps, jet stuff, fly motion. They were using him. He was the he was the focal point return man early in the season. He comes back from an ACL injury. Um, on top of uh, you know, on top of that, Derek Willies, flashback all the way to 2018. If you were there, as myself and our guest Stephen Thomas were in the stadium for the huge catch he made in the Baltimore game that the Browns won. I think 12-9 was the final that game. He made the huge catch to push him down the field to get an opportunity to kick that field goal. Ryan Switzer, he's been around the NFL forever. He's a rosterable player. He's done great return game work in Pittsburgh. That's like guys that I don't really think even have a shot to make the roster. Then there's other guys who have genuine talent. Alexander Hollins. Eastern Illinois product, like him. Jamarcus Bradley, really liked him out of Louisiana Lafayette last year. It's a loaded group. Now, I don't know if it's a loaded group in terms of a bunch of difference makers, like crazy separators. I mean, obviously, if Odell is back healthy, he's a game changer. Jarvis, we know what Jarvis can do. We know Rashard Higgins can step in. Kadero Hodge, in, to, to, in my opinion, myself, Mina Kimes, we had on earlier, in the, well, a couple months ago now. Huge believers in his game. I think the more opportunities he gets, the more he produces. He catches everything. He had a great catch in Week 17. One-handed, back across the middle, 20 yards downfield. Ridiculous catch. And then I think there's talent, Joe Janetson. Let's not even talk about the guy they drafted in the third round, Anthony Schwartz, who has Olympic caliber speed. So while the group 
may not rival the best in the NFL. It is full, and it has been a long time since we have seen this many NFL-quality wide receivers in Cleveland. For so long, we have seen the Browns struggle to find the answer a wide receiver. I know they didn't produce a ton last year. Jarvis Landry led the team with 840 yards on 72 catches. Rashard Higgins, 37 for 599. Reminder, Rashard Higgins was beat out for the wide receiver three rule by Kadero Hodge. Didn't really get an opportunity until like week six. He finally dressed on a game day. Because if you recall, they had to dress Donovan Peoples-Jones because of an injury to Kadero Hodge. They were all over the map, man. So... He gets going week seven, ends up with 599 yards, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, really like Rashard Higgins. But reminder, with a new coaching staff, not you can't blame it on Freddie Kitchens, new coaching staff, new everything, he got beat out for the wide receiver three role. Donovan Peoples-Jones gets 14 targets, 304 yards, two touchdowns. He's everybody's candidate for a breakout. I, I need to pump the brakes on that. We're going to talk about some superlatives with, with Steven in a minute, but... I like him. I like him, but he needs more seasoning. Kadero Hodge only ends up with 11 for 180, spotty due to injuries, and that's really it. Jamarcus Bradley ended up with 5 for 60 because he played, I think, in the Jets game where they had nobody healthy, the COVID strike game. That's about it. Marvin Hall, who's not back this year, was the only other receiver to to get a catch. Taewon Taylor didn't have a single catch last year. Uh, Marvin Hall had one catch for 12 yards in that Jets game. So... From top to bottom, man, you're looking at a bunch of NFL-level receivers. The question for this group is, can they take it up another level? Do they have another level from every single guy to push them forward? Odell Beckham, you're looking at pro football focus. Jarvis Landry has an 81.1 receiving grade. If you're looking at true receiving grades, if you go there and look at their advanced metrics here, Baker Mayfield, 90.8. Made a heck of a sideline catch. Can't remember that game off the top of my head. Jarvis gets decked. Might have been Baltimore. Baker makes a little toe-tap catch on the sideline. He ends up with what? I think he had one catch on the year. Maybe he had two. He was two for two. So he had two catches at some point throughout the year. Kendall Lamb, 87.6 receiver grade. One route run all season. They give him an 87.6. How they come up to that number, your guess is as good as mine. So Jarvis Landry's 81.1 number uh, as a true receiving grade. Across his career, pretty strong. His second and third year in Miami, he had an 86.1, 87.1. Dipping back down, 80 his last year, 70.8 his first year in Cleveland and 18. 19 jumps up to 80 in last year, so his best year in Cleveland, 81.1 mark. Not his most production, but his best year. And again, he missed some games. The, the, the weird year that was last year, he missed some games. Odell, a 73.5, I think was the number he had in seven games. Far better grade than last year. Um, sorry, it was a 73.7. He had a 69.4 his uh, his first year in Cleveland. That jumped up last year. Overall, his offensive grade and collectively jumped up. But, man, you need that guy that had a 90.0. His 2018 Giants season, the year before Cleveland, 90.0 offense grade and 89.9 receiving grade. His first two years in the NFL, 90.8 overall, 91.2 receiver grade, 88.1 in 2015, 90.1 receiving grade, 2016, 84.6, 85.0. He's hurt in 17, 18, we see the return to form. Is he able to, over the next two years, as he fully recovers from this ACL injury, does he have it? That's what we want to see. Some, I like that you saw some, some return to form, especially the Dallas game. He graded out extremely high, but he had... 
Uh, week two, three, four, five were all above 70 receiving grades. The Baltimore game, which was disastrous for everybody, he had a 49.2. Pittsburgh, week six, disastrous for everybody at Pittsburgh, and that blowout lost 62.4. And then he's uh, on the field for one single play in the Pittsburgh, sorry, in the Cincinnati game, week seven. Uh, looking at Rashard Higgins, a 72.8 receiving grade. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that is the best he's put in the NFL. It is. First two years in Cleveland, not very good. 16 and 17, 60.3, 48.7. 2018, he jumps up to 68.2 when he had nice production. That was when Freddie took over the last half of 2018. 2019, he flat out doesn't play. He only had 10 targets, 4 catches, 55 yards is all he had in 2019. You go back to 2018, 39 targets, 572. 2020, 44 catches, 715 yards, 4 touchdowns. Now that's including the playoffs, so... He he found he found a place to play, but is he going to have the same role with Odell back? And seemingly Odell is not skipping much of a beat. That guy looks like himself. So take that for what it's worth. Kadero Hodge, real quick as we wrap up, the only other receiver to play significant snaps. He played in weeks one, two, three, was hurt, lower body injury, eight, comes back week eight, ten, eleven, twelve. Misses a couple games, comes back week 15, week 17. He balls out week 17, and he balled out against Jacksonville. He had three catches and three targets. Um, his best receiving grade in the NFL, 2019, he had four, 10 targets, four catches, 76 yards, a 54.0 receiver grade. In 2020, 11 receptions, 16 targets, a 69.6. Nice, 69.6 receiving grade. So I think there's something there with Kadero Hodge. Again, beat out Richard Higgins early for that role. That's it. I'm not going to talk about Jamarcus Bradley. Didn't get enough snaps to really have any kind of role. We should mention Peoples-Jones. He had a 68.4 receiving grade in Cincinnati. That Week 7 game where he caught three of three targets for 56 yards and a touchdown, he gets an 85.3 overall grade, 82.0 receiving grade. So he has a 68.4 grade, 16 catches on 23 targets. If you include the playoffs, 335 yards, two touchdowns. Pretty good. Only one drop. So... Pretty good rookie season for a six-round pick. Talk about drops in total. Who led the group? We're going to talk about that with Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper had seven on the year. Jarvis Landry, who people love to say he catches the football really well, did not have a good reception season last year. He had six. Richard Higgins had three drops, and then it goes down uh, to one and below the rest of the way. So that's the group. I want to talk with Stephen Thomas. We're going to bring him in. We're going to chat with him. We got our groups we talked about yesterday. You're familiar with them. I sent them to Steve early. He has them. We're going to talk. Steve, how are you, my friend? Good. Good to be here. And this is a, this is a great group to talk about because I agree with just about everything you said, especially the overarching idea that this might be the deepest uh, group that we've had in, well, frankly, since the return. Uh, they are I mean, we said this immediately after the draft, and I still believe it. They will be cutting or hopefully trading uh, at least a couple rosterable guys that will probably go somewhere else and, and play some significant snaps. So it's, again, yet another area of the team where we just laugh about where we were as little as two or three years ago as far as uh, what you're looking at going into camp. And you go, man, these are rich people problems, and it's good to be on this side of the coin for once. It is. For so long, wide receiver was a position that we watched other teams in the AFC North figure out. A.J. Green, you know Pittsburgh with ridiculous success that they're still having. 
Mm-hmm. Um, even Baltimore has put together good wide receiver groups over the years. So this this one, it's like you, you talk to one person, they don't love the group. You talk to another person, you're like, this is ridiculously talented. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think they have a bunch of good average to good NFL wide receivers. They have one of them that can be potentially great. Need to see it still. But they've had so many below average and bad ones for so long. It's such a it's a it's a massive upgrade. These are rosterable NFL wide receivers and we have seen the Browns for many years in the past 20, 21, 22 years put guys out there that had no business being on the field in the NFL. So Yeah, and I think um even more so than that, obviously the whole thing, the whole group hinges on Odell. It, it all hinges on Odell. But Well, let's talk the about rest... this. You're, you're, give me the is Odell your guy with the most pressure in 2021? Well, uh, just real quick, let me finish that thought because it does yeah. lead right into that question. Um, because outside of him, who if he is o- you know Odell in quotes that we all know and remember, that eases the pressure on everybody else and it makes everybody else's job easier because what they have, at least what we've seen so far, there are a few guys who could take some steps, is guys who, you're right, they may not be uh, Pro Bowl or All Pro level in and of themselves, but they have a defined role. They're here for a reason. They've they've built a wide receiver room with guys with specific skill sets to do specific things instead of just throwing you know ten guys in there and and trying to find five who can catch the ball at least half the time. So, uh, as far as who has the most pressure on them this year, I, I mean, I, I think it, I guess it depends on from what angle you're asking that question. If you're talking about, you know, um, uh, helping the team contend, seriously contend for a Lombardi trophy, then yeah, it's got to be Odell. Because if Odell is Odell, um, the rest of them can operate underneath and slants and reverses and, you know, uh, drag routes and all that. kind. It becomes so, so much easier if he's out there drawing two guys to his corner of the field, obviously that way. But, I mean, if you mean the most pressure for justifying their contract then you know it's either odell or obviously jarvis i mean everybody knows about that contract it's been talked to death for like three years now um now if you're talking about looking to the future and you're saying who you know these guys need to step up to make the decisions on those two big contracts at the end of the season easier or more clear or whatever word you want to use, then it could be a bunch of guys. It's like a group effort of the rookies and Hodge and Higgins and DPJ and all those guys uh, that you just mentioned. So, but if you're talking about it simply from, you know, who's the guy that has the most pressure to, to um, be great enough that they'll be standing you know, when the confetti drops in, in LA in February, then yeah, I think it's definitely Odell because frankly, unless somebody comes out of the woodwork and has a season that none of us, can see coming he's the only guy that has that kind of raw talent we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I I think I, the easy answer is Odell. And for me, I get a little hesitant because he is coming off such a major injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that I I don't want to be like this guy has to get it right this year. But to me too, even if he's just okay and maybe just cracks over a thousand yards, I I kind of think the most pressure might be on Jarvis Landry. He's got to mm-hmm. clean up the drops. He's got to clean that up. He's got to mm-hmm. make people miss. We you know we talked about this the other day, Steve, where he's talking about being back down to his Miami playing weight on his little. Uh, which YouTube is interesting. Vlog, which yeah. is very interesting. He needs if he's not going to be a guy who runs away from people, he's got to make a miss in space. Shifty, quick, quick yeah. shifty. Yeah, the stop and go, the one-two plant stuff. He's got to be able to do that. So I think I, again, this is just my guess. It's all guessing. Is that Odell will probably have two years in Cleveland? I just don't know. The tough one is Jarvis. So if he comes out and has another. 1000 yard year he makes a ton of plays catches 8 10 touchdowns then they put he puts the pressure back on Cleveland to figure it out but if he has another year where he kind of trends down I'm not trying to make you folks mad but it is realistic here that they have mm-hmm. to start paying some people and they cannot spend two giant wide receiver contracts they just can't so then it becomes okay maybe Jarvis has a lot of pressure on him to figure out more production this year so I don't know. Does that sound crazy to you? I definitely think it's Odell in the sense of they need him to be his former self, but also relying on a guy coming as great as he looks, relying on a guy coming off an ACL tear, not preseason in week seven is still a dangerous proposition. You need more from Jarvis Landry. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I said, if you're talking about justifying the contract, it's probably Jarvis. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, like you said, I'm not, we're not trying to get into that debate. That's not the point of this. It's just that if you step back and take emotion out of it and take fandom out of it and you look at it with, uh, you know, as keen uh, emotionless of an eye, a, a cold and calculating of an eye as you can a roster composition and all of the contracts that are up after this year and all the decisions that they have to make, it, it's not un, not only is it not unreasonable, I think it's likely that at least one of those two big contracts is gone after this year, just from a pure numbers perspective. Unless, of course, and we've said this previously when you've had me on, you know, if they go out and contend for or, you know, knock on wood, win the Super Bowl and those two guys are massive parts of it. Then maybe they come to the table with AB and they restructure stuff and, you know, they keep them around for another year or two or something like that. But I, if the, if those two are both back on their current number, and that's the critical part of what I'm saying here, on their current contract number next year, I will be very, very surprised. I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy at all to, to say that those one or possibly both could be gone after this year, depending on how things go. Pressure's on both. I think it's fair to you could you could spread yeah. it out evenly there for sure. We're talking breakout candidate now, a guy you think has the potential to. And again, a breakout season doesn't mean a guy has a ninety catch, a thousand four hundred yard season. It could just mean he goes from where he's at to becoming a focal point on this roster and a big part of the future. It's probably an obvious name, but Donovan Peoples Jones has a, ch- a chance to jump. 
you could argue that Rashard Higgins, if he gets increased time, I know he's 28, I get it, but if he has a great season, he becomes a guy who's got a role here for the next two or three years. I would probably, Steve, if I'm answering it, say Donovan Peoples. I just don't know how many targets he's going to get. In an ideal world, he probably doesn't get more than 25 targets. But as far as a candidate goes with realistic thought process here, which is injuries happen, a guy who proved he can get down the field and catch the football last year, I would probably lean Donovan Peoples-Jones as a guy who could, if the role is right, the snaps are there, if he can get to 45, 50 targets, he could be a guy who breaks out. Does Odell count in this? Could, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, it could probably spin Odell for any one of these if we wanted to. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, I would love for him to. critical. Yeah, I'd love for him to break out to be his former self. Like that 2018 Giants season was not that long ago, you know, obviously. Right. That's why they pulled the trigger on a first-round pick for the guy. So can he get there again? If he does, that's a resurgence or a, I guess you call it a re-breakout. I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Because, yeah, he's he's the key to the engine because we saw what happened last year when he was out. Now, if he's just average Odell, it's not going to have as much of an effect as him being out last year. Um, it, it just his presence on the field. If he can run again, uh, you know, then, he'll you know, he'll he'll drag guys deep and open stuff up underneath regardless, uh, at least early on. But I agree with you. The obvious answer uh, is DPJ. He's got the skills. Uh, everybody knows the staff is high on him. Uh, a lot of people think they stole him in the sixth round, myself included. I, I thought he was two rounds better than that, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, but there's two others, since I knew that DPJ would probably be the first name that jumped to everybody's uh, front of everybody's uh, uh, frontal lobe there. Uh, Kadero Hodge is another one, a sleeper candidate. Um, I mean, many of us, uh, myself included, wondered when he first came why the staff liked him so much. I mean, when they signed him, I figured, you know, okay, big dude, fast, strong, special teams player, you know, few snaps in five wide sets or something like that. But he showed, like you said uh, before you uh, brought me on, a ton. He showed a ton before he got, you know, peppered with those injuries last year. And he's he's a lot faster than people give him credit for. He could handle mm-hmm. at least part of that deep speed role that we've been talking about if he was healthy last year. So he he could be a surprise guy. And then I'm going to go with the rookie, too. I, I don't know if rookies count in breakout since there's really nothing to compare him to. So whatever he does this year, it's his best year ever and his worst year ever. So <laughs> I don't know if that counts, but just... That Olympic sprinter speed could put him in a position to do some things. Like, and like you said, I don't think he's going to overtake Odell for the wide receiver one slot. He's not going to go out and have 107 catches for 1,600 yards and you know 19 touchdowns or anything like that. But he could be a guy that has – with that kind of speed, man, if you can even just be moderately successful in your footwork and your understanding of the game and all that all technique and all that kind of stuff, just simply being that fast, you can have a much bigger impact on the game than some people might think. Just just because, you know, it's a cliche, but you can't teach that. You cannot teach legit 4-2 speed, and there's very few guys that have it. Um, so th- those would be my two names other than DPJ would be Kaderil Hodge, uh, for all the reasons that you said, and then um, Anthony Schwartz simply because, you know, he's the freaking Flash. We're talking about highlighting a role at each position group. Yesterday we kind of highlighted what Dimitri Felton can do and how he can threaten in both phases as a way to threaten for a roster spot. 
you talk about there, there's really nobody moving to a new role that we know of right now, but you're you're talking about them trying to bring back a role in that you know fly jet motion guy that that they that they wanted to do with JoJo Natson. So I just think Natson's got the odds way up against him, man, coming back from an ACL, mm-hmm. uh, not not really being he's 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 fast, but he's not as fast as he probably needs to be for his size. So, you know, they invest a third round pick on, on Schwartz. He'd have to show up and be absolutely terrible to, to give up on him on a roster spot. He would have to be terrible. It's mm-hmm. just like, I've didn't they cut Vince Mayo, who was a fourth round pick way back when it's, right. it's like he would have to be utterly terrible. And I just don't know that that, I just don't think that's going to happen. So, Schwartz is going to make the roster, and he creates the new role. I mean, they gave up on that role without Nats, and he creates the new role that is horizontal speed, whether that is mesh concepts, giving him the ball in the backfield on quick touch passes. You know, that that kind of role is is a new role, and I, we've been talking about it since they drafted him leading up to the draft. Was there somebody they could get? We talked about, like, Rondale Moore and some of the others that were out there at the draft, and they ended up going with Schwartz, and it could it could be a place where he can get 15 touches, 20 touches in, on the season and maybe break a couple of those, maybe turn one in reverse into a big gain, right? And that's something they need. Yeah, absolutely. I, this was the toughest one of these categories um, for this position group because, like you said, nobody's doing anything new, uh, at least nothing that we've heard about. Everybody's... Well, they're bringing all uh, yeah. 11 back, right? That's the crazy uh, thing. I think Anthony Reinhardt heard, put out a, a metric on how few teams bring all 11 guys back. It's crazy, right. right? So yeah, I mean, I guess does Odell count again? I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, really, it's it, there's nobody unless they're planning on moving DPJ into the slot or something else did, secretive that we haven't heard a peep about, which I would be shocked. I, there's really nobody who whose role is going to drastically change. So I would agree with you um, that it's going to be. The only person that fits into this category is Schwartz. And for all the reasons that you listed, and we have said over and over and over, I mean, you look at his Auburn tape, he had inconsistent quarterback play. uh, And I'll put it that way because I'm a nice person. (laughs) Um, And so they, and you pointed this out to me when we first started looking at his film back in like February, you got to give credit to the Auburn staff for recognizing we have to figure out ways to get this guy the ball because just... You know, he'd be open by five yards and the ball would miss him by six. So uh, it, it, it would they, he's familiar with the with the jet sweep, the timing on those those touch passes. He's familiar with the orbit motion and, you know, uh, tunnel screens and and, you know, drags from a bunch formation, you know, where you try to get him matched up on a linebacker, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, he. I think he has a chance to break, you know, three or four real highlight plays, like, you know, 80 yards here, 60 yards there, that kind of stuff. Just because he's that fast and he only needs a crack, uh, he gets up to top speed pretty darn quick. Um, but then, like, at the end of the year, everybody everybody will be talking about, well, you know, here's his highlights. He must have had a great season. And you look at it, yeah, he had four touchdowns of 60 yards or more, but he only had, you know, 13 total catches or, you know, something like that, something ridiculous. So. I, I don't know of anybody else that would even qualify for this unless there are injuries or stuff going on that, that they've kept an unbelievably tight lid on because we haven't heard a single thing about anybody moving anything drastic. No, we haven't. And and we won't really get a feel for it until 
we can get some folks into camp and watch camp. I don't know what the dates are. They still haven't announced it. We can get people in and watch. That's where you can see people lining up in different positions, and you can have some right. of those conversations. We will aim to do so when we transfer to Twitch and all of that stuff. We're trying to amp up our coverage. We'll try to give you some of those insights. For now, we are left to guess as everybody else is, and the only guess that we can feel good about is short. So talk to me about we're, we're going to do this with every position. We didn't do it with quarterback. Most of these with quarterback don't apply because it's Baker, 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 Baker. But uh, – this one end of tramp end of camp trade deadline guy like a guy who could be a candidate to be moved because he's not going to make the roster but there's some team out there that really covets him and would trade for him instead of taking a risk on the waiver wire you have a spicy one maybe even completely unexpected give it to me and give me a reason does odell count (laughs) god damn it They do that. That no, would be I'm, huge. That would be like they, crazy. But yeah, you know I mean, it's it could be out there though. You know yeah. it's going to be out there in camp on social media. Somebody is going to put it out there, and then some national guy is going to mention it, and then it's going to gain steam. You know it's going to be out there. I mean, the, the guy's name is brought up in trade and constantly. You know, it, it never freaking ends. But no, I don't. I don't think it's a serious thing. I was just being a jackass, which is you know I have three strengths, and that's two of them. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of guy, and I, I've said this, you and I were talking about it right after the draft off the air. And I was like, God, look at their wide receiver room. There's like five guys that they could, you know, get something for. There's another guy I'm going to talk about, but I mean, you look at, uh, you know, all, a lot of the guys we've mentioned four or five times, Alexander Hollins has, has real talent. Jamarcus Bradley for having, you know, 20 minutes of prep time for that jet game actually got open a few times. You know, uh, Derek Willies, you know, I love Derek Willies. Uh, Ryan Switzer's played on, you know, uh, for how many years in the league? Jojo Natson speed like that will almost always get something. So these are guys that, yeah, I mean, you know, you're not going to get a, a day two pick or anything, but if you can get a conditional sixth or a, or a seventh two years from now or something like that for a guy that you were going to cut anyway, and like you said, it's a team that's 28th in the waiver wire and they, they need them. So they're willing to give up that tiny little piece of draft capital. Then that's better than just cutting them for nothing. So I fully expect him to be burning up the phones at this and a couple other positions because there's a couple other places where they have an abundance of guys and they might be able to snag some day three picks on something like that. But if you want me to find something that's I guess spicy is the word, but I don't know if it is or not. And it sort of dovetails with some of the other discussions we've had earlier here on this pod. If Hodge or DPJ um, uh, or Schwartz and, um, you know, maybe one of these guys, maybe Derek Willies comes out and just blasts out or something like that, has a monster camp and they just can't get rid of him. It might be Richard Higgins. He might be their biggest potential trade chip. And not that I want him traded. I'm a I've been a Hollywood fan since his draft cycle. I thought it was a tremendous pick when they snagged him. He led the country or was second in the country in yards per out run at Colorado State. I love the way he played. He just knows how to get open. He's one of those security blanket guys, and I love the way he plays. But he's wanted a bigger role for a, a, a while now, and you combine that with this offense, which – you know, whether people want to, uh, you know, admit it or not, it relies more on two wide receiver sets than some others. And the fact that he was beat out by Kaderil Hodge uh, uh, two years ago and all this other stuff. I, I just don't know if that bigger role is ever going to be in the cards for him here. So if camp unfolds in a manner uh, that it becomes apparent that he's not clearly wide receiver three, 
You know, if he's in the mix for wide receiver four or five or something like that, and he's just not going to get a lot of snaps, and, but he's still he's, he's a good player. I like him a ton. They might, you know, back channel out that if you give us the right offer, you know, we get a fourth round pick or something like that, because that's a guy you don't want him sitting on your bench and he's on a one year deal again. So I would be shocked if he comes back yet again next year on an under market uh, uh, one year deal. So if that's the situation that they're in at the end of camp and camp could go a completely different way. But if that's the situation that I would totally expect Andrew Barry to be letting teams that are wide receiver deficient know, uh, hey, you know, market could be open. We're not going to give him away, so don't insult me with a low offer. But uh, we got a guy that could play some snaps for you uh, if you give us the right, uh, you know, and it could be a player for player swap, but most likely it'll be a draft pick or something like that. So I, I don't expect it to happen. I don't want Hollywood gone. I want to make all that clear. Um, but in these kind of discussions, you're always looking for a, a, a name that's not the first one that jumps to everybody's mind. And there's a legitimate way that camp could unfold that that Hollywood might be unhappy with his, you know, his perceived role. And there could be interest around the league that uh, Andrew Barry decides, you know what, we just can't pass that up. Good point. I, I think when you look at it, there's there's definitely six guys that stand out to me. The two LSU guys at the top, you got one variation, uh, three, four, five, whatever way you want to put it between uh, Higgins, Hodge, and DPJ, and they're gonna they're gonna have a decision. It's they're gonna keep Schwartz. So the decisions whether they want to keep six, and if they mm-hmm. if they want to only keep five for whatever reason, and they don't want to cut somebody, they. In, in my opinion, they could trade, and if they if they traded the only guy that would have some trade value is Higgins. His deal's mm-hmm. up after a year. He's proven it with two seasons over 500 yards, and you're not. I mean, I just think teams would probably say, "Yeah, you can cut Hodge. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll take a, a gamble there and try to get him." Same with. I just I I guess I I don't see them moving on from DBJ and Schwartz. I just don't. I think DBJ gave enough flashes at his size and his athleticism that. I just don't see them cutting him. And this kind of goes into our next question, which is a surprise cut guy. If they're going to surprise cut somebody, in my opinion, it's Hodge. I, I think that's the only surprise cut guy that's out there to me. If you're only going to keep five, I don't think they're going to cut Higgins. I, I just, I think they would rather just roll with six. If you're going to trade somebody, you can see somebody maybe giving you back a six or a seven or some other position. Maybe the Browns have, they go in and they, they look at their D tackle room after the camp's coming to a close. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, they think, ah, oh, mm-hmm. we don't have enough answers here. And somebody's giving somebody away. We got too many of these guys, that kind of thing. So I right. think those are the two, in my opinion, that, that make sense. Surprise cut could be Hodge. Surprise trade could be Higgins. I'm not saying, I think they keep six. I just think they keep six and that's what they do. Like, you know, Switzer can be had. Derek Willies can be had. Jamar, Jamarcus Bradley, those guys can be had. They, they, they're going to get cut. They're going to get moved. They're going to get cut, and they'll try to get them back on the practice squad. But the teams can pick them up if they want. But like those six guys at the top, you're not going to cut the two most recent draft picks. You're not going to cut Jarvis Odell. So you have these two guys in the middle who I like and expect to be part of the team. But if they were to make mm-hmm. some sort of surprising move, I don't think you can trade Hodge because I just don't know that teams are going to be wanting him i guess there could be there's 31 other te- there could be somebody who wants to try. i just don't expect that but if they do trade higgins 
has some value on the market, in my opinion, at least. So I don't know. Do you agree with that or am I off? Yeah, I think uh, I, I would uh, temper it just slightly. I don't think they couldn't trade Hodge, but I think they couldn't trade him for the same that they could potentially get for Hollywood, if if that's the way it goes. I mean, you could get Hodge would fall into the you know um, conditional sixth or you know swapping pick. You know, we swap fifth round picks. Yeah, it just takes you know, one we, team. I'm, yeah, that kind sure. of stuff like that. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I would agree with all that. As, as far as a surprise making the fifty three, man, it's it's so hard to say this because I don't really, I'm barring injury, obviously, or some you know wildly unexpected horrible camp from somebody that that we just don't see coming. Um, I don't think there's any way any of these other guys have a shot. Um, and it's sad because these guys that we've mentioned in a normal uh, wide receiver room, there's there's several candidates. You know, and we've mentioned him a few times. You know, Marcus Bradley uh, is right there on that list. Um, you know, uh, I guess Ryan Switzer, I'm not a huge fan, but, you know, with his shiftiness and, and that kind of stuff, he could fill a certain role. But if I had to pick one guy who would be a surprise making the 53, I'm going to stick with my my guy, Derek Willies, because he's got the size, the speed, the hands. And, uh, you know, he, he's probably back fully, completely healthy this year for the first time. He's familiar with the system, all that stuff. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's uh, is 6'4", 210 or 208 or something like that. And, you know, uh, not, you know, uh, Anthony short speed, but he's freaking fast, you know, good hands. Um, as you said, we were both there for that monster catch and run uh, in overtime against uh, Baltimore to help win that game three years ago. So this guy's been around for a while, and if he's going to do it, if if he is going to make a jump, this would be the year uh, for him to do that. But when you just look at it real, I think he's got the talent to be a, a, a guy, you know, oh, a surprise making of the 53. But I just, because of all the things that you just said, Unless somebody gets hurt, there's just no room. Uh, you know, unless he becomes a special teams demon in some way, there's nobody I think that fills the role of a surprise. You know, making a guy that surprises and makes the 53 at the end of camp. I I think too, one of the more compelling. I think we could look back. I think the six are set in my opinion. They it could fluctuate. It could be some kind of crazy change. You and I are talking about here. Somebody could show up at camp and be bad. Whatever. With the injury history of Odell of recent years, just think that they're going to keep six, and those six make a ton of sense. Then it becomes, who can they sneak back on? Can you get Willies to stick right. around? Because that's going to be important. Can you keep Switzer? seems like you can keep Switzer as a special teams guy, as six wide receiver in a pinch, that kind of thing. Uh, you, could, you could find a way to make that work. But I should make a huge correction because I was unfair to Hollywood. Higgins, I, I called him 28 earlier. He's 26. He doesn't turn 27 until October 7th, so my bad. That's two big years of the prime of his career. I knocked off of his, <laughs> knocked off there. So yeah, he's he's still young enough. Both both Hodge and Higgins are twenty six. So that should be that should be clarified. So those guys are in you know this four year stretch that is the prime of their athleticism, and uh, they can be big contributors. Or if they feel they want to keep five and want to keep an, a fourth running back and an extra tight end and and fluctuate some numbers somewhere else. They could move either of those guys. Just takes one team that's interested. I just I'm sitting here looking at it, and yeah. I just pulled up the wide receiver page. Actually, Odell and Jarvis, at 28 years old, are the senior citizens of this wide receiver. Yeah, They're maybe the I was thinking the 28 on the roster. Those, yeah, 
that yeah, that's pretty that's not right. so not only are they stacked as far as numbers go and competent players and guys like that but you know there's no fogies here i mean these are all guys that are ascending you know age-wise anyway so yeah like we said way back at the beginning this is an unusual and fun position for us to be in uh two weeks before camp looking at the wide receiver room and thinking crap there's just too many good guys that you know so uh it, it, enjoy this browns fans because uh we haven't we haven't had this kind of a relaxing approach to the wide receiver room in a long time yeah, it should be fun. It's it's got a, a plethora of talent, and um, a group that could, if they all hit their stride and they're all comfortable the next you know year two in an offense with a quarterback with their wide receiver coach Chad O'Shea, who I like, they could they could make a massive stride uh, as a group. So this was fun. Tell everybody what's going on at Twitch, Steve, and why they need to be following us over there. Well, we're starting uh, the day before training camp, so just less than two weeks. Monday the 26th is when we are officially, <clears throat> excuse me, launching the channel. We're doing, all of our live streams are moving over there. That's the only thing. We're not replacing the YouTube channel. We're not, re- we're going to have a Discord community, but we're not replacing the existing forums. This is all it's like we're building an addition onto the evil layer. Okay. We're, we're, we're adding a wing is what we're doing here because Twitch as a live stream platform offers so much more interactivity. You guys as the fans and listeners are going to be able to participate a lot more. We've got so much fun stuff planned where you can send in videos of you guys, you know, making your game predictions or your your tailgate party, you know, shoot videos of your tailgate party barking and cheering and send it in. We'll play that on the air in the pregame shows. We're going to have watch parties, you know, for the, not only the Browns games, but I think we're planning Ohio State game watch parties, Monday night football, Thursday night football. Uh, you're going to be playing Madden, hopefully against, you know, against viewers or, you know, against players. It'd be great if you could get Hollywood or, or Jed Wills or some of these other guys that play it all the time to come on against you. All kinds of great stuff. That we have planned we just had another meeting this morning and man i am so excited uh but that starts on the 26th so you go to um what is it twitch.tv slash the obr underscore browns it's all over my twitter it's all over the main obr twitter account we've got articles written about it all kinds of stuff it's not hard to do it's free to go follow us um it takes maybe 60 seconds unless you're my dad's level of bad at the computer uh, to, to sign up for an account <laughs> and follow us. Um, but uh, I, I'm pretty excited about it. I know you're going to be doing uh, film breakdowns on there and, and interviews, and you're going to be uh, you know maybe doing the pod on there at some point. I don't know. We're going to have roundtable discussions with the entire crew, Fred and Lane and Brad. And Lane will be on, of course, you know whenever he has uh, the information that only he can get. I'm just really excited about it. Anyone who follows me is probably annoyed as crap because I've been tweeting about it nonstop. But, uh, uh, man, I'm very, very excited about what we got going on. And if you go over to the Twitch account, there is a video up there, uh, kind of a movie trailer-style hype video for the channel. I would love it if you guys would watch that. Uh, I think it's pretty cool, and it shows a very generalized overview of what we're going to be having coming up on the Twitch channel. I'm pumped, man. It's going to be fun. We're going to be doing a bunch of different things. And if you're craving Brown's content at 7 o'clock every day of the week, you can find it. You can find us mm-hmm. and um, can come talk Browns and, and, and have a good time. So, Steve, thanks for joining us, buddy. Anytime, man. It's going to be fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us on your end. Make sure, again, you're subscribing to this podcast. 
Because if you subscribe, you get the automatic download shows up for you every day for you to listen to in your commute or during your workout or whenever you want to hear some Browns content. I appreciate you guys listening. And we will check in with uh, tight ends is going to be our next positional breakdown. We will have a chalk talk session tomorrow night. What is today? Today's Tuesday. So we're two days. We have that. We'll have tight ends tomorrow night. Then a chalk talk on wide receiver routes, which will include tight ends uh, conceptually when they run routes as well. We'll kind of include it all in one and look at some popular pass concepts that will be mixed in there too. So it'll be good timing for the chalk talk session, which will be released to you guys on Friday. So have a great Wednesday or whenever you're listening to this, have a great day. And until next time, go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.